Welcome to the May 2022 installment of our Bridging the Gaps podcast series produced by FASTA, the Foundation for the Economics of Sustainability, and EHFF, the European Health Futures Forum. I'm Sean O'Conline. Tasoligum Gulshiva Bwint, Salt Asansara Gudisha. And I'm Caroline White. For this month's podcast, David Somek of the EHFF and I spoke with Davy Phillip about communities of practice. The idea of community is deep within us as humans, with concepts of sharing, acting together, and common purpose at its heart. Words in Irish like pubble, mwinter, coluadar convey this richness. Davy is a community catalyst, climate coach, and facilitator at Cultivate, the Sustainable Ireland Cooperative. Since 1997, he's been active in Ireland promoting sustainability, community resilience, and cooperative approaches to meeting our needs. He's also one of the core members of the Wellbeing Economy Alliance Ireland Hub. And in particular, Davy has been involved in communities of practice for over a decade, and he'll explain what they are and why they're particularly important to us in the course of the interview. Thank you very much, Davy and David. Delighted to have you both here for our podcast today. And the theme of today's podcast is going to be communities of practice. And Davy, maybe if you wouldn't mind if you could start out with a few words about how you became involved with communities of practice and what your interest is in them. Well, the first community of practice I was involved in was over 10 years ago with Carnegie. Uh, I was invited to join a community of practice of sustainability and community practitioners they were exploring the topic, an emerging topic of community resilience. And so that was a two-year program that sort of facilitated us meeting as practitioners. My role was a catalyst role. So I had a role to try and find synergies and connections at each meeting and between meetings. We met across the UK and Ireland over that time and deepened our understanding of the topic, which is a new topic. So I think that's ideal for a community of practice, exploring, deepening our knowledge, sharing perspectives on a topic. And so that was my first community of practice. I've been in a few others since then, sometimes part of bigger European projects, but most recently with Ecolease, which is a meta network of community-led initiatives across Europe. We did a Erasmus program on blended and transformative learning. And one of the outputs was a guide on how social, ecological, local community groups and institutions can use a concept that's been used for a long time with academic institutions and businesses. And so that was where my my interest in being active in one, and then with a consortium and working up a guide, that's where I now see the power and I'm using now the approach in many projects. So that's just maybe a, big, a basic introduction before we get into what it is. Okay, now I'll chip in my two pennies then, two cents, which is my organisation, European Health Futures Forum, was really set up in the context of us believing, and people who join us believe the same, that the current health system is not sustainable, so it has to change. Now, the question is how? And for a number of years, we've been going more than 10 years, we've been grappling with, do we just support change? Do we initiate, you know, and so on? Or do we just scan the horizon and report on, on emerging change and so on? Very recently, we've been looking at a scenario exercise which 
involved looking at health from a holistic point of view. So we're not talking about health care or illness care, as many of us call it, but or well-being in society, but as well as all of these things, the much wider spectrum of how health in society interacts with the economy, the environment, and so forth. And to that extent, we can indicate for our listeners, you know, that the three of us came together in the context of a Wellbeing Economy Alliance hub for Ireland. And our interests kind of converge, really, within that context of a holistic view of the economy and society. So I was very interested that with the work we'd been doing the last year or so in my organisation, we'd actually come to the idea that transformational change is the only real thing that matters. In other words, the whole thing's got to change and with different models, uh, different understanding of where it's going and what the value for society is. And as part of this work, one of the things I got very interested in was communities of practice. It so happens that I'm involved in at least three communities of practice. The Wheel Hub is one of them, in effect, but in terms of health as well. And I, I started to think, you know, there's a key issue here about transformational change, and that is about getting different stakeholders to collaborate. In other words, to find a sufficient common ground to get the traction from a large number of people all operating together. And that's been a huge challenge. We all know about it, that in fact, if you look at the seeds of change through society, whether it's in Europe or elsewhere, there are thousands of projects, but they don't work together. In fact, if when they try to, often they end up squabbling rather than actually being able to get um, synergy. And to me, communities of practice is one possible answer, not the only one. So that's why I'm interested. Thanks, David and Davey. I wonder if one or other of you or both could go into a bit more detail about exactly what is a community of practice and say how it differentiates from, say, a working group or something like that, or just some sort of ad hoc group of people from different organizations. What's the difference? What makes a community of practice special? Let me jump in there. Communities of practice are happening at different levels, different in different organizational contexts. And really they're learning networks. They're really there. It's not just a network, it's a it's a deeper level of networking that allows us to deepen our knowledge and therefore our response to certain issues. So that's just one thing that um, is very key to a community of practice. I mean, the concept emerged in the 90s with Etienne Wegner and Jean Lave, um, and it referred to a group of people that shared knowledge, problems, solutions, information, and news about a specific issue. So originally, communities of practice participants might have been from the same business, or the same department, or the same university, where now we're seeing communities of practice that are bringing stakeholders from different sectors, organizations, busting silos, but still deepening our understanding and knowledge around a certain issue. So a community of practice has three dimensions, always. It has the dimension of domain, which is the area of shared interest or activity. That's what is our common denominator. And it needs to be, you know, sometimes negotiated a domain, but very clearly the domain needs to be set because that's gonna attract the next phase or the next dimension, which is the community. And the community is, the people and the relationships built through the discussion and the deepening of learning and the sharing of knowledge around the domain. So that's the 
the second domain. The third domain is practice. It's a community of practice. And so the practice is the body and knowledge or the skills being developed in the community of practice. So the artifacts that will be created or the, the knowledge will be captured in this learning network. So I think when we see those three dimensions, we can start to see that, you know, a lot of us are already in communities of practice that aren't called communities of practice. You know, a family could be a communities of practice or a stamp club could be a community of practice. It's sharing a domain of collecting stamps and we're going to get better at understanding uh, the history or the, the background of, of the topic. So I mean, maybe that's enough. I mean, there's, there's other perceptions now of communities of practice that I, I think are, are worth highlighting, especially what David is saying is that what we're interested in is not incremental change. So how do we drive transformational change, system change? And I, and I think when we're a community of practice that's at that level, I think that we can um, build the relationships that allow us to, as practitioners in a certain sector, have more capacity, have more understanding of a topic, and be able to lead transformational change, not just incremental change. David, do you want to add to that? Only in as much as, on top of what you're talking about, the whole notion of deeper learning and so on, and being able to influence is, for me, the idea of a transformative uh, community of practice is that it has the capacity to change people's ideas about the world. And this is crucial, of course. It would be in any major system change, but certainly in my area, um, it is fundamental for me, the notion of helping people move away from the strictly medical model to gaining the added value of original beliefs, of, of, of just the wider perspective that a holistic view brings. Now, for me, the, the key thing then is how do you get that message across to people who aren't in the privileged position of being within this community of practice? How does a community of practice help to spread the word to the wider community? Maybe there's a quote from George Parr that would help answer that. Uh, George Parr's a systems thinker. I think he's based in London. And mm -hmm. um, he says communities of practice are of vital importance because through them, people grow the necessary capabilities and structures that enable a new system to emerge. Not as a social movement taken over institutions by force, but by growing into a system of influence and thus becoming the new mainstreaming mainstream making the old structures obsolete so I, I like that's a more progressive approach to a community of practice than just maybe some businesses looking at how they innovate a new product you know that's not transformational change i think and meg wheatley and deborah freeze actually you really use communities of practice to transcend networks once we have strong networks the community of practice then deepens the knowledge and impact within that network giving us uh, more agency and more more impact so i like what you said about because it struck me of the parallel in health we've talked quite a lot about influence really by the harvard economists you know uh, 
um, Clayton Christensen, the notion of disruptive innovation, although he's simply re reworked a, another <laughs> familiar ideas about innovation. But the crux of disruptive innovation is the notion of having an alternative system that in the end subverts the current system by proving to be more effective, more interesting, uh, often cheaper. <laughs> but certainly it has that aspect of being more available and that that is what is the lever for change really. Can you point to a few examples of communities of practice in maybe in both of your experiences and what you consider them to have achieved? Well a community of practice I'm involved in right now which is going to be expanded in next spring is community climate coaches. So I'm in a consortium of organizations across Europe uh, of facilitators and community catalysts that are working with the climate and ecological emergency. And we're developing in this community of practice skills and tools. We're learning from other sectors like the professional coaching world. And we're really developing our ideas and approach to maximize our impact of locally working with community groups uh, to build climate resilience. So that's, a, that's an example in the next spring, we open up. So we're, we're currently just eight European organizations, but next spring we open up because we'll have tools and competency frameworks developed. And then we want to then, with a wider constituency, dive into the domain, climate coaching, and how we, by sharing approaches, knowledge, methodologies, that we can have more impact locally. So that's one that I'm involved in. The, the one I mentioned earlier, the one by Carnegie, it's called Fiery Spirits of a community of practice of community and sustainability advocates, it was over 10 years ago, created a booklet that popularized the concept of, of community resilience. So that was the objective, was we we're going to work together to understand and then to populate a new concept. And the booklet and a film, a little animation, were the outcomes, were the artefacts of that community of practice. I'm well behind, Davey, in terms of the timeline for, for this. I'm still a new kid on the block. But I think that uh, certainly my experience at the moment of the community of practice I'm, I'm in are fundamentally that they're learning experiences for me and for the others in them, which is fine in itself. But in terms of the ambition my organisation has, I think we're still learning about how to use this particular tool to achieve, I think even defining the domain, you know, is, you know, you can talk about transformation of health. In fact, of course, like so much of any piece of the, of a language, it can, the terms become misused and and then cease to have meaning. So I was talking to a colleague in Holland, in Netherlands, who was uh, saying every other project in Netherlands now in health is called transforming healthcare. And of course, it isn't any such thing. <laughs> it's simply, it's the, it's the familiar problem about so-called innovation being the same stuff with the new packaging. So to get over the idea of what true transformational change is and its implications is in itself a huge task. So I can learn from people like Davey, unfortunately, we're working together anyway, aren't we, in the, in the Wellbeing Economy Alliance, which I think is a, also a fascinating example of a, of a community of practice. Caroline, you should explain a little bit <laughs> to the audience about how that works. 
Um, sure, I certainly, yes. So the Wellbeing Economy Alliance, the three of us are all represent organizations that are part of a hub for the island of Ireland for the Wellbeing Economy Alliance. And the Wellbeing Economy Alliance is a global network of organizations and individuals who are working together to reorient the economy towards well-being as a goal, both societal well-being, well-being of people, and also well-being of the environment as well. So it's a very broad and very, I find, profound um, interpretation of well-being and away from the idea that we just need to expand the economy and have growth as a goal, which is still quite a pervasive idea, even though it's being criticized more and more, it's still kind of out there very much. It's in policy and it's, a, it's an interesting challenge to work on that. And part of what I personally like about the whole we all approach is that it focuses on where we want to go and our vision and the, the, the positive aspects of where we want to go, you know, rather than simply pointing out what's wrong with what's happening now, which is certainly important too, but that's, I think we also need to develop a vision. And to me, it's interesting to tie that in with the idea of a community of practice, because from what I'm understanding, a community of practice, you know, there has to be a domain, there has to be a, you know, there has to be a context. One one question, just to throw back to the two of you again, a question I have is, is there a, like a limit to who can be in a community of practice or is there, or is that necessary? Or, and if so, how is it defined? I don't know if that's a helpful question or not. Well, I think it's very helpful because I think there's a lot of flexibility here. But the key thing, maybe responding to David's challenge of defining the topic, the domain, I think the invitation to join a community of practice will attract the people that resonate with that domain, or at least the challenge, and then the community might come together and negotiate the domain that we're going to explore. So there's a number of ways we can get started well, it's definitely not for everyone, a community of practice. It's very specific. It's an area of knowledge we're going to develop or a topic we're going to dive into to have a deeper understanding of how we can apply a new methodology or something. But there's also, and what's important, there's a, there's a, a number of things in community of practice. There's a life cycle of community of practice that realizes that there's different phases within the community of practice and maybe different interventions and approaches in that. But there's also different ways of participating in, and levels of participation in a community of practice. So you might have a community of practice with a core group of practitioners who are meeting regularly. And the new thing in communities of practice is blended communities of practice because we can now meet without physically meeting, where in the past that was what we, the constraint was, it's a community of practice, but we're going to be meeting physically. Now we can have international communities of practice because we can do this blended. We can have online gatherings, conversations, but we can also dive deeper with physical gatherings. So there is something around that. But just the, the levels of participation could reach out into transactionary approaches where there might be academics or researchers feeding in occasionally to the inquiry that we're looking at, but could still feel part of the community of practice. What I love about the community of practice is it can be quite diverse. And the more diverse it is, the probably deeper will go with different perspectives being represented. So the guide that we've just um, published on Communities for Future is really looking at blended and diversity. And we've got a whole inclusion diversity piece inside the communities of practice. The other thing is communities can practice can be quite deep. They're usually beyond just something you do for an employed position. So you asked Caroline the difference between a working group 
or a department and a community of practice. I think the community of practice um, the, the practitioner is not going there because his boss told him or her to go there, but because they want to be better at what they do uh, and the motivations there to be part of the, the community practice. So I mean, there's a couple of things that might just help define it a little and see the different levels of participation or ways to participate and also maybe how to invite in the right mix into our communities of practice. Is it always something where people get invited in or is, is it something where people apply to join? Again, very different. So I think it works best in an invitation and it's bounded and it's not just for everyone. Mm. It's very clear who it's for and what we're going to be looking at. But as I said, in these levels of participation, there might be occasional users. They might not be part of the core group, but they might come in occasionally or they're peripheral, they're engaging maybe with some of the results. And so they're in uh, the community of practice, but on the edges and margins, but knowing they're maybe keeping a bit of oversight or watching what's happening, and then being ready to maybe work with the outputs or results of the community of practice. I think uh, the, the key word here is flexibility, isn't it? Uh, because I absolutely buy what David is saying about the diversity and the importance of that. If you think of it from the point of view of complexity theory or whatever you like, you know, it's bound to be richer. But asking that question about Sure, I agree in principle about inviting people, but in terms of whether it's appropriate or not, I mean, the truth is people vote with their feet too, don't they? I mean, if you're invited to join a community of practice and you don't rate it, you know, it's not going to take time, you know, and get involved. Or if you you are, you know, I mean, the, the only issue I think is about if people want to get involved for reasons that the majority of the group don't particularly <laughs> relate to, and that can happen, of course. But I think the group sorts things like that out pretty easily, actually. Yeah, and the diversity brings a community of practice alive, really. Mm -hmm. If you're all the same way of thinking or all from a similar perspective, it's not going to have that richness. And a community of practice is made, made by and is for its participants. So the real value is a sense of belonging, a sense of engagement and a commitment to that community of practice. That's why an invitation, not just a free-for-all, it's not just a, a webinar, come along with a webinar. It, it, you know, there's something different in this. There's a different quality that's about deepening our relationships and connection as much as deepening our knowledge and capability. That's well put, yeah. Mm. And in terms of out the outcomes or what you produce or whatever, I assume I'm imagining from what you've been saying that there's probably some flexibility there too. Is that right? Well, I think essentially the outcome is deeper knowledge mm -hmm. and more capacity as a practitioner. The community of practice might decide that they're going to create, as we did with Carnegie in the community resilience community of practice, that there's going to be a book or an artifact at the end. But the real output is the deepening of capacity of the members and understanding of the topic. And that might make it different from a working group. Once it's a working group, then you've got milestones, KPIs, outputs, where the community practice doesn't really have them. It has these dimensions, it has an objective, but the outcome is practitioners that are more competent and knowledgeable uh, to face that topic. But saying that, Caroline, there is a lot of community practice are coming together and will have a deliverable or something that's going to emerge that will be useful 
in their work. Sure, like like the booklet that you produced in your earlier one, community. Yeah, yeah. From my perspective, I, I would say I, I totally agree with Davy about the experience of the individuals who've given their time and commitment to community practice um, in terms of enriching their knowledge and their network of relationships and so forth. I still also think of them as a potential tool uh, for change. And to that extent, I suppose your ultimate measure is something about impact, is that there's the impact for the players, as it were, within the, the community. But then there's, if it's aimed at bringing about transformational change, obviously there's something, and of course this is terribly hazy, a, a sort of grey areas about how a movement or whatever it is actually creates impact. It uh, comes back to butterflies in the Amazon. <laughs> <laughs> I do think we have to be careful in some ways. Impact's of course important and being aware of what we're going to measure or record to prove that impact. They gets us into quite a reductionist state, doesn't it? We're not seeing complexity and acting complexity. We're, we're still working in a sort of business as usual. Here's our KPIs, here's our outputs, and we're going to work towards these and we're able to show our impact. Where in the sort of world we're living in, in complexity, we're sensing in, we're making little interventions, we're seeing if it works. If it works, we amplify, and if it doesn't work, we dampen it down. And it's a different way of working beyond the way we normally work with impact KPIs and outputs. So I think a community practice suits, I think, complexity. People, are, uh, practitioners that understand complexity and are looking for transformative change without being constrained in a, a work package that has very clear outputs and, and KPIs. As you say, the reductionist model is antithetical, really, to transformation, isn't it? I mean, it's almost like, like everything else. I was taught in terms of understanding quality in healthcare, you know, quality improvement, that one thing, when you move from one level of quality measures to another, you don't throw the baby out with the bathwater, you know, you still keep things that work. But then you go to another level and a different mode of functioning. So, yeah. sure, I'm I'm not uh, throwing out KPIs, but I'm saying it, I agree with maybe it requires a different way of thinking about what you're doing, really. I mean, I think one of the challenges of communities of practice, communities of practice are really about communication. It's all about communications. So uh, what happens often in a community of practice is there's not enough talking. And so in good communities of practice, you need, really need moderators and catalysts, uh, people that are programming the gatherings or the Zoom calls or getting, prompting people. So it still needs a bit of management. It's not completely self-managing. And communities of practice can mean different things to different people. So it's very prudent to sort of really set out what this community of practice is doing. And that's the invite. This community of practice is looking for practitioners in this area. We're going to dive into this inquiry and build a knowledge around this. And maybe we'll have an output or an artifact. So there's different ways of doing it. It's very flexible. But I do think as a tool and a method for bringing people together for transformative change, it's a very powerful one. Just to underline that again, because we're kind of winding up is for me, it's that <laughs> the word people is, is the crucial one. People and relationships 
are actually what social change is going to be about, isn't it? And in a way, it's like getting back to basics, isn't it, in a funny sort of way, even though what we're talking about sounds relatively sophisticated. I think it's the thing I've learned over the years, certainly about change in systems, is conversations are crucial to all of this. Mm. Yeah, exactly. Systems is all about relationships rather than just the power. And so especially in social innovation or transforming social innovation, we really need to have those conversations that strengthen those relationships and help us move forward together. So, yeah, it's all about communication. It's all about relationship. Do the two of you have the impression that there's uh, increasing interest? in communities of practice and, and then using this whole methodology. Yancy. Yeah, I see a lot in my European work of new communities of practice emerging. And equally, the, the company I'm in, engaged with are really looking to do an ecosystem of communities of practice because communities of practice can end up being quite deep silos. And we might need communication and synergy and cohesion between a group of communities of practice that might have a similar focus you know, so we're seeing this a lot in community-led climate action and sustainability, that we might have a community of practice that is really drilled into the social solidarity economy, but could do with a community of practice or connecting to community practice that's maybe working on facilitation and, and catalyzing communities. You know, so ecosystems of communities of practice is what I'm really interested in right now to avoid the siloization of communities of practice. And I would just add, I'm a would-be futurist. I have been for the last 10, 12 years. And although we use techniques and models and so on for looking at the future, also your intuition is extremely important <laughs> in sensing what's coming over the rise. And, and for me, all I can say, I think Davy has much deeper knowledge about what's going on, but intuitively, my feeling is something's ha- this is what's attracted me to it, that it feels something's happening, you know, and that community practice is part of that. We've been doing communities of practice since we were sitting around the fires in the caves. It's not something new, really. It's all just about having dialogue, discourse and conversations to deepen our understanding. That's all. That was Davy Phillip, a community catalyst, climate coach and facilitator at Cultivate, speaking with David Somick and Caroline White. If you enjoyed this podcast, please spread the word on social media about our series, Bridging the Gaps, and keep an eye out for our next instalment at the end of June. Many thanks to Davy and David for our discussion, and to Leisha Kelly for her music on the harp. Thank you.